uh, we move technology forward in a lot of different ways uh, to be able to get very, very high quality for very limited resources, which is what you have on, on television. But at the same time, it turned out so great that when I saw it for the first time on the big screen, I said, this is brilliant. I mean, we could make a feature out of this. Uh, and so we decided to do a feature about Ahsoka, uh, and um, that's how it ended up being a feature film. And who are you supposed to be? I'm Ahsoka. Master Yoda sent me. Star Wars is filled, as we all know, with tough guys. And what's great about Ahsoka is that she is a breath of fresh air, and she brings in a strong feminine sensibility. Come on, Master. It doesn't sound that hard. I'll find Rex and get the troops organized. I believe that Ahsoka will become part of Star Wars canon and lore and that audiences around the world are going to love her for years and years to come. Jason. This is Gabe. Saga year. <laughs> Saga year month three. in it's been it's been the longest year it's been the longest month i think of all time in the history of time recorded time it's been the longest month probably yeah the longest month of the longest year it's only march no it's april finally yeah, well, with the, when this episode comes out it's march 31st yes. so it's pr- we're pretty much april but thankfully we have saga year month three where we've done phantom menace we've done attack of the clones we're going in story order for saga year would that would that be the way to classify it yes yes chronological order this month we are talking about the clone wars movie from 2008 i believe it came out august 2008 one of the first things that is strange about it is it's an august release Instead of a May release. There's a lot that added to just this is the odd feelings of that movie coming out. <laughs> I feel like there are people that forget that that movie was a theatrical release. I don't know. We, we, we dedicated an entire episode to the Clone Wars movie way back in, what was it, episode 22? Yeah, 20-something. 20, 20 the very early days, we were still figuring this whole thing out. And even that was weird because I I feel like I feel like when we did that episode, 
I Clone Wars was on Netflix and it was all still brand new to me. And my feelings on the Clone Wars movie were still kind of weird. I don't know. Well, and it's a weird one to me because as much as, you know, these days I enjoy the movie and I did think it was a little strange when I first saw it. But it's the only, I guess, other than the first two movies that I had, I didn't, I never really saw it in the theater. I saw it, but not in a normal movie theater. That's right. Yeah, because what's the story? You saw it at, it was like a a computer graphics thing or something, right? Yeah, it was at the SIGGRAPH computer graphics convention. It was in L.A., and I got to see it at the convention, and Dave Filoni was there and John Knoll, so it was a pretty awesome way to see it. But after that, I never got around to seeing it again at the theater. So, yeah, so I, since... You know, Return of the Jedi, at least, it was the first or only Star Wars movie I didn't even see at, at a normal theater with a normal audience, which kind of makes it special in a weird way. <laughs> well, you saw it earlier than when it came out, too, right? Do you remember? Cause- no, it was, I think it was the same day because I ca- we called each other. You saw it like at midnight or something, and you called me at like 2 in the morning after you saw it. Yes. So... No, it was it was about the same time. Yeah. And weren't you like the only one in the theater or was something weird like that too? Yeah, I was yeah. I, I feel like we've told the story many times, but we can tell it again where yeah, I was like, it's a new Star Wars movie. I gotta get there really early. And I showed up really early and the theater was empty. And I was like, Oh, what's going on? And I was yeah, in the theater and I was literally the midnight show Thursday night. And I was literally the only person in the entire theater. And it was, it, I think that fueled my weird feelings where I was like, just nothing about this feels right. <laughs> well, it's a very different kind of Star Wars theatrical experience for both of us. <laughs> Potentially, you know, it's no fault of the movie, but it seems like part of the weirdness was that they weren't sure this was going to be a movie until the last minute like i don't remember how many months before it came out did they even decide it was going to be theatrical like it's obviously four episodes put together and i think one of the things when you go back and kind of judge the movie is maybe as a movie it's kind of weird but as the first four episodes of a tv series it's great but no one knew they were going to see the first four episodes of a TV series really when they saw it at the theater because it, everyone, I think, just kind of assumed, oh, it's going to be like a Star Wars Pixar movie. And then that's not what it was. And lots of people were confused. We were all following along the news on like the Force.net or in Star Wars Insider, like, oh, Clone Wars is coming. It's going to be on. Cartoon Network, here's what the characters look like. Oh, wow, this is a little different, a little weird, a little crazy. Yeah, and then I I can't remember when the announcement was that it's going to be coming out in theaters, but it it was pretty quick. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, they say at Hasbro had a fall 2007 analyst event, and they announced that the Clone Wars would have a theatrical launch on August 8th. And then the show would be in the fall. So I guess we knew a year, a little less than a year. Wow. All right. But no one knew what that meant (laughs) (laughs) at the time. I was just like, oh, the show's coming. The show's coming. Well, And I can't help thinking now. Like, I know we talked about it, like, in the lead up to The Mandalorian. I remember we were saying, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was a special theatrical event where they showed the first two or three episodes of Mandalorian in a theater. And in a lot of states, they did leading up to the release of Mandalorian. I think they even did in Chicago, but I don't know. They think you had to be invited. Nobody called us. It was probably the the Star Wars Beards episode or something. Mm -hmm. They are the droid pageant. They're like, no, don't, not those guys. I feel like now if something like that were to happen, if there was just a random Star Wars animated thing released in theaters. It wouldn't seem as weird because almost like we've gotten so much more Star Wars now where it's kind of, you know, like when we don't have a new movie in production or being made or in theaters or a new animated show or TV show, or there's a lot of Star Wars going on right now. And in 2008, there's nothing. And so the fact that there was this Star Wars movie in, movie 
in theaters, we'd never experienced that before. That wasn't a saga film. Yeah, it was a weird time because that was, what, three years after Revenge of the Sith was the end of theatrical Star Wars. And then all of a sudden you hear rumors and rumblings that this other movie thing is going to come. And then it came and it was just, what is this? (laughs) We never had an animated Star Wars movie before. We never had a movie that takes place in between two other movies. But it's still weird to this day because on Disney Plus, it's not in the Clone Wars section or the Star Wars movie section. It's in the specials section. So it's like even Disney doesn't know what to do with it, even though it's very obviously the beginning of the season. Like it's almost like they should like Netflix does with Tarantino movies or whatever and like cut it back up into episodes and just plug it in at the beginning of the of the Clone Wars season one or like have season zero or something and put those in there. Because thinking about it, there's probably a bunch of people either on Netflix or Disney Plus who start right with the first episode of season one and don't even watch the Clone Wars movie, not realizing that that's actually the beginning of the story and where Anakin meets Ahsoka and all that foundation. Yeah, that's really true. Which I guess it would work in a very Star Wars kind of George Lucas way if you just dive right into the story without the seeing the introduction of Ahsoka and kind of getting the information that you get in the Clone Wars movie. But on the flip side, it's like, I think we've talked about this before too. It's like, if there's any Star Wars movie that, that deserves a special edition, now that we see what they can do with season seven, it's like, if they could go back and just rework the visuals in the Clone Wars movie and maybe, you know, re-edit it slightly, you know, re-release it in theaters or just re-release it on Disney plus, I think. That would be pretty cool because you can tell like they did as the best they could, but they were totally like figuring out what they were doing as they were going along. And you think about any TV show, it usually takes a few episodes, if not a few seasons for TV shows to kind of get their get into their groove. And they kind of were in a situation where you're basically taking the these first couple episodes and trying to put them in the theater while figuring out how to do this computer animated show, which was kind of a, a big deal at the time because it. There were computer-generated kids' shows, but they weren't as ambitious or elaborate as Clone Wars was. Well, yeah, and George Lucas's choice to base the animation style on Jerry Anderson, Super Marionation, Thunderbirds kind of stuff, which isn't even super-duper well-known in the United States. Like, a lot of people, when they saw what this, this Clone Wars looked like, they were like, I remember a lot of people saying it looked ugly, which is amazing now where like now with season seven on Disney plus, it's the most gorgeous animation you could ever ask for. And there's so many people like, I hope when they do whatever next is animated star Wars, I hope it looks like this. But at first, I mean, yeah. And you go back and you watch the movie and it's, it's not as pretty. It's not as refined. It's not as lush and truly three-dimensional as it became later yeah well and if you go back to yeah listen to the old interviews and stuff like those first couple seasons i think they said they you know they would add one they could have one new character model for each episode and then like i think talking about the movie like tatooine is probably like the roughest looking environment and they were just saying how they just didn't have time to make any stuff to like put in tatooine so that's why it's basically just empty of anything Another weird thing I kept thinking, going back to when the movie came out, and I remember I was thinking of this when I was thinking of sitting by myself in that empty midnight show, where it was more prequel stuff. And I feel like in 2008, for a lot of fans, and I I feel a lot of the marketing for Revenge of the Sith was just all Darth Vader. Once we got past the prequels, it there wasn't a lot of prequel stuff still hanging around. We had just gotten out past the 2007 with the 30th anniversary of a new hope. And it was all there it was all kind of original trilogy. And I remember thinking like in the theater and seeing Nemodians and <laughs> all the ships and stuff, the Republic gunships and stuff and being like, this is great. I love this, but is this what, the normal people want the do people want more prequel stuff i was worried that it was damaging (laughs) 
the whole Star Wars thing. So I was like, I don't know if people want this. Well, and maybe older people didn't want it, but it seemed like as much as it's people maybe didn't go to the theaters to see the movie once it was on TV, the kids were super into it. Now we're seeing the result of that with all the fans that were younger, younger adults or kids when this came out who are just the biggest Star Wars fans now because of this cartoon and this goofy Jerry Anderson Super Marionation movie that was in theaters for a couple weeks in 2008. Yeah, and that's the whole thing where Lucas knew. Lucas didn't care. <laughs> he, he knew that the kids were going to be into it and the kids were going to stay with it. And look at it now, 2020, Clone Wars, new episodes. It's insane. Yeah, well, we keep talking about the the panel at Celebration of, you know, an arena full of Clone Wars fans losing their mind because they're going to get 12 more episodes of this series that they love so much and have loved for 12 years, 10 years, over 10 years. Richard, I've seen Lego reenactments of Return of the Jedi on YouTube with more going for them than our next film, Star Wars The Clone Wars. What we have here, besides a failure to communicate any of the Star Wars magic to audiences, is a knockoff and a tie-in to the Clone Wars TV series. But while the Star Wars brand is gold, Clone Wars feels like the clone of a clone of the son of a clone, and as Yoda would say, skip this thing you should. Or even sucks this movie does. So going back and rewatching the Clone Wars movie with getting ready for the show is interesting now being much more familiar with Clone Wars overall. I'm much more down with the weirdness and goofiness of the Clone Wars movie and much more accepting of it being, like like we said, kind of the pilot for the eventual series and th- them still kind of figuring stuff out. But one thing I thought was really weird, and right away, the Samuel Jackson as Mace Windu, which is so weird that the actor that played Mace Windu doing the voice in the cartoon is now like, oh, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time, it, it it didn't seem weird because that's the only Mace Windu voice you knew. So it made total sense at the time. But yeah, going back, well, and that's almost like for the special edition, maybe do the other, if they made it into episodes, they could get the voice actors from the show to do it just to make it match well and the same with christopher lee as count dooku like we should be happy for any christopher lee's count dooku content we ever get but when it comes on it's like and you see animated count dooku with the real christopher lee voice it's like that doesn't feel right yeah i have to say though watching it again i don't think i appreciated it enough at the time that we got to hear christopher lee talk to java the hutt <laughs> it was worth it just for that because it wasn't just like Dooku was there just you know doing Dooku stuff. It, it's it's Christopher Lee talking to Jabba the Hutt about his son. Which where's that footage from the recording booth? Was Christopher Lee wearing his big glasses when he said those lines? That's a good question though. Is is there footage of the? I don't know that I've ever seen footage of any of the voice recording for the movie. But yeah, the, the Clone Wars movie. It, it's aged really well. And I think that that's from time. And I think that's from being, at least for me, being more familiar with the series. Like I was saying, it's it's clear they're figuring out which way they're going to go. But it's much more charming in a way than it was before where I'm not critical at all of it anymore. I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah. Some of the, like, James Arnold Taylor his voice for Obi-Wan. It's kind of like, oh, he's still kind of figuring that out, isn't he? Eh, it's, you know, it's early. It's fine. And you just remember how mind-blowingly wonderful the show eventually becomes. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. They're still figuring it out. No, you're you're right. It is It is interesting comparing something as like an early version of something you like as opposed to comparing it to Revenge of the Sith and comparing it to Revenge of the Sith, it's very different. 
<laughs> or Attack of the Clones, the two closest things to it. It's very, very different seeing the Clone Wars movie versus the live action stuff. Or or the Jendi cartoon, because that was, I, I remember saying that way back in the episode 20, whatever, when we did the thing, one of my big grumpy points for seeing the movie, I was just like, why aren't we getting big screen Jendi cartoon? I was like, what is this? And all those comparisons that were made in 2008 kind of aren't valid anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think the Gendy Clone Wars was easier to absorb because it was definitely its own thing. I mean, it was very much influenced by Attack of the Clones, but because it was so stylized, it was kind of more its own thing where the Clone Wars movie is still stylized, but I feel like the action, and it's actually one of the, I think, the strong points of that movie, too, is all the action scenes are are really good. And some of them, if you, you know, you squint your eyes enough, it kind of looks like you're watching Attack of the Clones. So there was, there's almost like this disconnect where parts of the movie seem like you're watching <laughs> a low-res version of Attack of the Clones because it's so, it's shot like so similar and it's the same sort of ships and things flying around that maybe that was part of it it was just like what am i watching it's like i'm watching the animatics from the blu-ray well this started out when i was writing uh, episode three and i was saying it's too bad i don't get to write about the clone wars because that's really interesting so we did that and the first thing came off that i saw uh, that were in color. I looked at them on the big screen. And I said, "Wow, this came. This was so much more brilliant than we thought it was going to be. It looks good enough to be a feature film." So I said, "Why don't we make a feature film about Ahsoka, who's just a character? But why don't we make a film about how she came to be involved with the Jedi and all that sort of thing?" So then we turned around and made a feature. So yeah, going back and watching the Clone Wars movie again, what are when, when you watched it just this week, what, what were some of your highlights? Well, other than the stuff we said, it does like the you can tell the the DNA of it is there's definitely the the Lucas influence. It still feels like Star Wars. It's like a rough Star Wars, but it it doesn't it feels like Star Wars. It doesn't feel like something else. Like I don't think with with anything with it that was weird. There wasn't like well, this doesn't feel like Star Wars. It's just kind of like like we were saying. It was like work in progress star wars or something but it's great because in addition to ahsoka and her introduction we're actually introduced to rex who wasn't a character before the clone wars movie who's now a huge star wars character that we learned that we followed all through clone wars into rebels and now is unofficially in return of the jedi and from the beginning in this movie we get ventress who becomes who we had seen in comics and the gendy clone wars but she became a major character in the Clone Wars seasons going forward, and we get to see her character grow and ultimately become almost friends with Ahsoka. And all of that kind of started way back here in this movie. Also, I don't know if you noticed, I think I, I missed this. There's the great little part when Ahsoka first comes off the ship to meet everybody, that R2 gets like super excited that she's there. Did you catch that? I did. And that was one thing going back and watching the movie again this week. Especially, yeah, in the beginning, there's so many R2 shots. Isn't there a part where the, the clone troopers like pat R2 on the head and stuff? And it's just like, oh, I miss R2 getting the spotlight. Well, and that's the whole, you can tell that the Lucas influence is like, he's got his favorite character or one of his favorite characters, R2-D2, in there. And they made sure that he had a lot to do. We get, you know, we get flying creatures people are riding. It's like all the Star Wars, all the ingredients are there. One thing I was thinking was funny because you get introduced to the Twilight, which is the new junkie ship that they fly around that seemed like it was going to be a big part of the show. And it was for a season or two until they blew it up. But Clone Wars came out in August 2008. The movie Twilight came out in November 2008. So, oh, what what a time! What a time! <laughs> Lucas and Filoni knew what, what we were all in for when the Twilight movie came out, and were giving us a giving us a heads up. You know, you know, Dave Filoni was watching some Twilight. You know, he's like, I, I, I like it. Was what do you was Dave Filoni Team Edward or Team Jacob? Well, he was Team Jacob. <laughs> oh yeah, you know he was all the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. the wolves. 
Yeah, you know, right. He was probably there with the with the Team Jacob shirt for New Moon or whatever the one they were pushing. <laughs> you got to pick what team you're on. Yeah, you know he's all about that. He's probably still got the shirt in his closet. <laughs> I bet he. I bet it's not even in the closet. I bet he wears it when he's sitting on the couch. Well, and we can't. We got at least mention the the thing that even people that like the Clone Wars movie aren't sure if they like. The wonderful Zero the Hut, who is not the Hut you expected him to be. And him not showing up until just completely out of the blue in the last quarter of the movie is probably another reason that people didn't know how to feel when the movie was over. Because if you're kind of getting into the movie that it is, when Zero shows up, it is all of a sudden like, wait, is this the, movie? Is this the same movie I started an hour ago? When you go back and watch it now, the comparisons to... The Mandalorian with Stinky, with protecting a baby, and even in Tatooine. And Stinky was Baby Yoda before there was a Baby Yoda, but people just weren't ready for Stinky. That was the whole thing after Baby Yoda came out, and there was that art floating around of a baby hut. And there were so many people like, oh, you know, look at this baby hut. And I'm like, there is Stinky out there. It was Stinky. Stinky was a thing. That's more proof, like, the Clone Wars movie is like the rough draft animatic of Star Wars for the next 20 years after it came out. And now we're getting the Mandalorian, which is almost a live action version of the Clone Wars movie. But now people are ready for it because they've had 10 years of watching Clone Wars and, and getting acclimated to just ridiculous nonsense that people weren't necessarily ready for in 2008. I still have photos of the stinky onesie that you sent me for when my daughter was born i dressed her many many times in her onesie with stinky on it your little punky muffin (laughs) well and one last thing too is the movie is pretty goofy and fun but then towards the end when anakin and ahsoka in the desert and anakin just talks about how the desert is merciless and will take everything from you there's just that one second you're like whoa like you said, it, it's, it's Star Wars. It's the Star Wars no one was ready for in 2008. But now I think I think we're there. I think the world has caught up to the Clone Wars movie. Ahsoka has to have a bit of a attitude. She is kind of the chosen Padawan to be with the chosen one. There is a point in the movie when he looks down at her and sees her just sitting there for the first time really inward and sullen. You're reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan. But you might make it as mine. To me, that moment is when Anakin realizes his responsibility as a teacher and as a mentor. And she, in turn, learns to be responsible as a student. She is a Padawan now. She's not just at the temple learning off Jedi holocrones. She's learning in the field. And there are true consequences to her actions. Breakout star, though, of the Clone Wars movie, and when it came out, the most the most controversial element of it, it wasn't Zero the Hut, it wasn't Stinky. The thing that got everybody either on board or not on board, though, was Ahsoka Tano. You you listen to interviews with like especially Lucas before the movie came out, and he'll tell you that the movie is about Ahsoka Tano. And introducing Ahsoka Tano is kind of the whole point of these episodes, these movie, this movie, however you want to think of it. And when she was introduced, when she came out of that ship, that was the thing like watching it this week. Her her introduction, it is a little awkward because you get you you have this big battle scene. They're on the Chris Christopherson planet, right? And Anakin is doing his thing where he's jumping around and there's all this great clone war or clone trooper action against battle droids. And then it stops. And then it's literally like Obi-Wan's like, oh, your new Padawan is here. Anakin is literally like, what? 
I don't need a new Padawan. And I, there were so many people, I feel like, probably the older people in the theater who were also were agreeing, like, wait, Anakin has a Padawan? I've never had the feeling of like, well, this is, I don't like this, this is dumb. But I do remember thinking, well, that is strange. I never thought that he would have a Padawan. And that does kind of like, well, does that even make sense? But then it's like, this takes place between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And there's a lot of crazy stuff in those two movies that may or may not make sense. So why am I worrying about this? But I don't know. I like the way they introduce her because it it is almost like the characters in the movie are are reacting for you of like Anakin's like, I don't need a Padawan. Why is there a Padawan here? And even her interactions with Rex and everyone, like they start kind of right out with like, why are you here? You've got to prove yourself, which is kind of what happened in the real world with people watching this, because even the people I think that ultimately are won over by the end of the movie at the beginning, it is kind of like, okay, let's see if this is going to work. A youngling. And who are you supposed to be? I'm Ahsoka. Master Yoda sent me. I was told to tell both of you that you must get back to the Jedi Temple immediately. There's an emergency. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in a bit of an emergency right here. Yes, our communications have been a bit unreliable, but we've been calling for help. Master Yoda hadn't heard from you, so he sent me to deliver the message. Well, the, the great thing with Ahsoka, and I, I, I know we've, we've made this point before, but it's, it's worth saying again. She is kind of the Clone Wars, where... Like, as when the movie first came out and people were like, oh, I'm not so sure. And as people began to fall in love with the show, it's, you can follow the same line of people also loving, and not even loving. It's like for both the show and Ahsoka, people becoming obsessed with them both and being, this is amazing. And Ahsoka may now be my favorite Star Wars character ever. And they, they follow like the same course, the show and the character of Ahsoka Tano, where now she is she is the Clone Wars. Like when when they came back on Disney Plus and there were the Bad Batch episodes, it's like, this is great, this is fun, this is awesome. But we want to know what happened to Ahsoka. <laughs> well, and that's the thing that's I guess so smart of George Lucas to do and the whole team was it's like the original trilogy was you know, you had Luke and then his his friends, and then the prequels were kind of about Anakin and his friends. And then we all assumed, well, this is in between two and three, so it's going to be all about Anakin and Obi-Wan, and, and Padme's going to be there. But giving the Clone Wars cartoon its own main character all of a sudden made it a bigger deal and a more important thing and, and gave you something to latch onto that was new and unique to this show as opposed to just being the continuing adventures of the live action movies. Again, I think you can give credit to Lucas for being ahead of the curve as, as always when everyone is doubting him, because I feel like when we heard there was going to be this Clone Wars TV show and this Clone Wars movie, everyone was just like, Oh great. More Anakin and Obi-Wan adventures. But we didn't know, we didn't know how much we would become attached to Especially Ahsoka, but also Rex and the clones. I was thinking about when we were getting ready for this, like what other Star Wars character, really besides Anakin, have we seen so much of their life and so much of their journey, the ins and outs and ups and downs of their journey, and still going on in the new Clone Wars season seven as Ahsoka. Like we have seen her from when she was like a tiny little baby like toddler being found by Plo Koon to her Padawan days to Jedi Knight to Rebels to the new stuff with her in 1313 and her journey that has been on screen for us to watch and in literature. Like who else in Star Wars has a journey like that? Yeah, you're right. And it, it's neat because she's in a way, you know, she starts out as Anakin's Padawan, but Ultimately, she kind of has a very similar journey to what we've seen with Anakin, but we get to see it in much more detail because she's in television where you have a lot more time 
to tell these stories and the fact that, yeah, she was in so many episodes for so many years of Clone Wars and then carrying over into other shows and books and things. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that you see where she started in this movie as just this kind of awkward little kid who is now, you know, the the Gandalf wizard of the Star Wars universe by the end of Rebels and then potentially transitioning into live action in the future is just, yeah, there's no other character like that. Thanks for the ride, Rex. Anytime, sir. Master Obi-Wan, Master Yoda. Hmm. Trouble you have with your new Padawan, I hear. I was explaining the situation to Master Yoda. Really? If not ready for a Padawan, you are. Then perhaps, Obi-Wan, we can... No, wait a minute. I admit Ahsoka is a little rough around the edges. But with a great deal of training and patience, she might amount to something. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Ahsoka's journey through the original Clone Wars series. Let's, like you said, she started as Anakin's Padawan and the Snips and Sky Guy. And but as the series went on, her character grew in a way that, like, like you were saying, is so cool because we learned more about Anakin and Obi-Wan through the course of the Clone Wars series. We learned about like Satine and we saw Anakin dipping into the dark side a bit more and his relationship with Padme. But Ahsoka's journey throughout the series is unique. Yeah. Cause you know, we get to see her as the student and then eventually she starts to get more sure of herself. We visually get to see her change season to season. She gets, Different costumes, different lightsabers. We get to see her with the younglings in that great arc with the lightsaber crystals where she's starting to become the teacher herself. Yeah, and then ultimately getting accused of bombing the temple and being put on trial and being kind of pushed out of the Jedi Order. And then ultimately the Jedi wanting her to come back and her realizing that that's not the place to be. It It is like... It's a mirror to Anakin's journey, but we get to see it in much more detail. And we kind of get to see what would happen if Anakin made the right choices, which is where it's it's kind of neat to see the relationship between the two of them grow. Because it's similar to with Anakin and Obi-Wan that, you know, they start out as kind of teacher-student. And by the end, they're more like brothers. And with Anakin and Ahsoka, it's the same sort of thing that... Eventually, and we, you know, we hear it in the new season of Clone Wars, she thinks of him as an older brother, that they have this very special relationship that's evolved to be much different than just a teacher-student relationship. They're, they're really family at this point. And she's the, she's the good sister, and he's kind of the bad brother <laughs> that makes all the wrong decisions. Which, thinking about this last Clone Wars episode, it's the, the two sisters are almost an Anakin- Ahsoka relationship in a way with the older one making the bad decisions and the younger one just trying to do the best she can. It's true. And Ahsoka kind of being now the adult in the room, <laughs> almost kind of like a, like an Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of role of, would you two stop arguing? Which is just so much fun to see when you compare her to, you know, little tiny asking Rex if she outranks him because she's a Jedi. Well, and her growth though in Rebels that we saw when she came in and that she was the fulcrum and her kind of the legendary role that she had with the, the ghost crew. And then, of course, her battle with Darth Vader, her former master, and her kind of slipping out to the world be- between worlds and kind of her towards the end of Rebels there being this kind of symbol of the beyond of what what's beyond the physical world in Star Wars the symbol of the mystical wait what happened where am I you were fighting Vader I saw you in there he was going to... So I, I, I grabbed you and I pulled you out of it. Anakin. Well, and getting a really a major character who is 
was kind of the it's the future of the force in a way that she's she gave up being a jedi but she still draws on the light side of the force it's like luke talking in last jedi about it's arrogant that the jedi would think they would be the only ones that get the light side of the force to to say that the jedi own the the, the light side of the force is arrogance which bless you last jedi so <laughs> yeah yeah, because even going so far to, to maybe some of the, the reasons with Rise of Skywalker, people were kind of maybe disappointed with where that movie ended up was that we kind of saw the future in Ahsoka of what the Jedi could be. And it could be this this new thing kind of where you don't have to be in the Jedi order to be good and to use the force to help others. And that we... we you know, we've seen what it can be and and not seeing more of that kind of in live action, you know, may be disappointing. Well, and that raises the question of, you know, the the rumors, which are still rumors, that pretty rumors that seem pretty real at this point, but they're still not confirmed of where we could possibly see Ahsoka next in The Mandalorian with the news that Rosario Dawson supposedly is, is playing uh, live action Ahsoka. We, I know we talked about it on our on our Patreon show, but it's it could be really cool bringing her in. And you know, we spent hours talking about was Luke is going to be Luke is because like if, if the Mandalorian goes around asking for a Jedi, I feel like the only one people could know would be Luke Skywalker, maybe Leia, Ahsoka though could be really interesting. But the only the only thing that worries me. Well, there's a couple things that worry me with the Ahsoka thing. But one is if you introduce Ahsoka Tano into the Mandalorian season two, it's like the reason why they didn't have Luke in The Force Awakens, because then everybody just wants to know about that. You go back to like the Bob Iger when he was on the Star Wars show or one of his investment calls or whatever it was when he was talking about word word introducing characters and Mandalorian that may get their own spinoffs. I think a Ahsoka Tano live action spinoff series of four or five episodes on Disney plus could be really awesome. If she is basically a cameo, if you can even do that on Mandalorian season two, that would be cool. I almost wonder if, if, if really, yeah, the goal of having her is to get, have someone to give, baby Yoda to maybe she doesn't show up until the last episode in the last scene is he finds Ahsoka who actually makes the most sense because baby Yoda is not a Jedi. He just is in tune with the force. So it almost makes more sense that he should be with a character who is in tune with the force, but it doesn't have to be a Jedi. So that kind of makes sense. That gives you something you know, it allows her to show up and kind of blow people's minds, but not overtake the season because she just shows up at the end. And if she did have her own show and it's Ahsoka and Baby Yoda traveling in the unknown regions to find Ezra with Sabine or something like that, that gives Ahsoka something cool to do Why, while the sequel trilogy is happening and explaining why Ahsoka isn't there fighting Palpatine, you know, and that seems like a a felony kind of thing to do of to give these characters something to do that's cool, but that also kind of justifies why you're not wondering why they aren't in the in the main story of the live action films. But then I, I could also see Ahsoka being so wise where she would say, Mandalorian, Dinjarin, you are this child's people. She is still in hiding, she's still on the run. During that period of time, she's still a target. She's still a former Jedi. Palpatine, who's out there, knew she was still alive. So I could see her saying, no, you, you know, you're a tribe of two. You two need to be together. Yeah, that's true. Well, and that's, I think, if you go back to Rebels, it's almost like with the Bendu, we've kind of had this character who is big into the Force. They're not a Jedi, but they're also not interested in the day-to-day activities of mortal people in a way. And he's just off doing his own thing. And and maybe that's kind of a uh, foreshadowing of what Ahsoka becomes of someone who's, she's not, you know, concerned with 
the light in the dark and the Jedi and the Sith. She's just following the will of the force and she's, you know, her own thing alone in the, in the galaxy, just doing stuff. She's not interested in, in fighting Palpatine anymore or if that sort of thing. Cause they, you know, otherwise why isn't the Bendu shooting people with lightning all the time? Cause he's just, he's beyond that. He doesn't, he's not interested in those things. Well, and we have no idea also what happens during her journey out into the the unknown regions with Sabine looking for Ezra. We that story is yet to be told. There there's stuff if people want to go, there's the there's a panel from Celebration Europe of uh Ahsoka's untold tales. But be careful because there's some I feel like there's some major spoilers for the rest of Clone Wars season seven in this panel. But there, there's some really fascinating stuff where Filoni talks about, though, post-Order 66 Ahsoka and her kind of second walkabout where she's not quite fulcrum yet and she's an on-the-run Jedi. Well, the whole thing was Ahsoka's inspiration came from Mononoke, from the character San. So I was like, ah, riding wolf is so cool. And I did have a scene when, because things go badly after you... You've done th- some things in Order 66. It just goes badly. <laughs> right when it's about to be really good, yeah. it gets really bad. And so suddenly these clones are chasing you, and it's, it's horrible. And these clones are chasing you into this force. I'm going to tell this scene because right. I'll probably never get to do it, but then you'll know. <laughs> this so This is probably right too far. All right, now. It's, it's fine. It's no fine. one's going to know. No. You'll see Rogue One tomorrow and be like, I forgot everything Floyd said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'd be fine. It's great. So the, the clones chase her in this forest, right? And I, I forget which one it was. We'll make up a name, anybody. And Collins chases them into the forest, Commander Collins. And they're running in there, and uh, they're trying to find a soga. And they come to this clearing, and there's a stone, a big stone in the clearing. And Ahsoka's sitting there on this rock, just kind of meditating, just all peaceful and calm. And the clones all get their guns out, and they're like, come on, you have to come with us. And, and she's like, you'll have to ask my friends first. And they're kind of like, what does that mean? And all of a sudden, there's this shuddering in the trees. And these big heads of these wolves come down. And the clones didn't realize that what they ran into weren't a bunch of trees. but was a bunch of these giant wolves that have legs like trees. And the clones are like, oh, my gosh. And these wolves are like, ah. And then you're up on one riding. And the clones are like, this is horrible. And they're just blasting all kinds of special effects. And you're running off on these wolves. <laughs> oh, it was great. That's amazing. So, really this, is, fun. this is about as far as we got. But that's as far as I got. Well, yeah. that's just as great of a character as she is. The fact that really of other than like the Mandalorian, she's one of the few characters out there that that's still they're like they're still going and there's still story to tell. And we have her future to look forward to. And the fact that she's already existed in all these different mediums just makes it even more possible for more stories of her in the future. Yeah, the the one thing with the future that's odd is, and we haven't talked about it in this episode yet, but so much of what we love about Ahsoka is from the the voice acting of Ashley Eckstein. She just is Ahsoka, and, and Ashley Eckstein has been so incredible with the fans and has been so behind not only the Clone Wars, but in her character and Star Wars. And she's done so much for, for, for Star Wars and what, and what we love and her universe and everything she's done. And when it came out, like, what was it last week or a couple weeks ago where she was kind of like, I don't know anything about the Mandalorian. And it seemed kind of sincere and it seemed kind of, I don't know, it's, it didn't feel right. And I know she can't really talk about it because it's still not confirmed. But I, I can't imagine that John Favreau, Dave Filoni, whatever, would cast Rosario Dawson, put her in costume, put the makeup on her, have her on set, and no one told Ashley. It's, it's, it's there's something about. I feel like we don't know the whole story yet. Yeah. Well, especially if they put Kenny Baker in the credits when he wasn't really. In the in R two, they had Peter Mayhew on set, even when he wasn't in the suit. That you got to think that she's going to be involved in some capacity because, yeah, she is the character as much as Anthony Daniels is is three PO. Even when it's just his voice, she 
is that character that she's the the mind and inside the head of that character even if her body is not the body of that character like you were saying that's the great thing that the story is far from over with Ahsoka Tano the story that started in 2008 with very confusing times in a <laughs> either in a movie theater or watching it on a big screen and uh and now the the worldwide embrace and excitement. I mean, even with the the Rosario Dawson stuff, that was huge news, and not just among Star Wars people. It was like, this is this is ma- a major casting thing, and everyone knows who Ahsoka Tano is. Like, not just Star Wars fans. And you know, you could almost argue that if you had to pick one character who is the face of Star Wars, Ahsoka's probably the top contender because she's there through the prequel trilogy she's there with rebels during this the original trilogy she's potentially with mandalorian showing up and you know she's been there through it all and just like star wars she's still going (laughs) there's no there's no stopping yes ahsoka is forever just like star wars is forever You know, I think we probably both look at her similarly. She's like a member of our family at this Mm -hmm. point. I mean, to me, she's like a part of me. Right. Um, I've become so attached to her, even though I know you're not supposed to become attached. Mm -hmm. It's the way to the dark side. Dangerous. You know, I've been working um, on this character now since 2006. And I think to watch her grow over the years, and we talked about this on the panel, I mean, at first she wasn't liked. Right. She was actually terribly hated by some people. No. <laughs> they just needed some time to, to warm up to her. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, you know, we ask fans to just go on this journey with us, and they did. And they went on this journey, and Dave and his team, you know, created some beautiful stories and episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like that the character developed from being kind of naive and rambunctious to kind of having a lot of her own agency and being respectful and it's a good arc and and I think she's very tied to the fans that existed between the film sagas right Clone Wars itself had a burden to kind of continue the Star Wars legacy after Revenge of the Sith leading up to The Force Awakens and I think that the fans were incredibly supportive of our efforts and it showed how much they loved Star Wars and it it kept Star Wars alive, this interaction, and the crew and I made sure to try to have as much interaction with the fans as we could mm-hmm. um, to show it, the world just how much Star Wars means to everyone. Right. And you can see today, I it's, mean, Star Wars is bigger than it's ever been. When people keep thinking it's going to go away, it never does. And so she's a character that really exists at this level because of the fans right. behind her, and that's something I'm most proud of it. The Jedi aren't just going to sit by while Grievous and his droids take over the whole universe. At least, that's what Anakin says. I'm supposed to listen to him. He's my master. I may just be a Padawan, but soon, I will be a Jedi. And if that means I have to cut my way through a hundred droids, I will. Gladly. Star Wars The Clone Wars. A new adventure every Friday starting October 3rd at 9 p.m. on Cartoon Network. Okay, so it is that time of the month where we give uh, special shout-outs to all the members of the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. And let's start out with saying a big thank you to Matthew, Austin, Mick, Ian, Robert, Nathan, Darren, Adam, David, Alex, Bill, Hellhounds, Shelby, Brad, Austin, Alex, Ben, Chris, Paul, Liam, Shana, Pablo, and Will. And thanks to Trevor, Ronald, Joshua, Kevin, Simon, Rebecca, Ross, Christopher, Sponge, Norm, Jose, Timothy, Raymond, Brooks, Chantal, Jason, Augusto, Eliza, Andrew, Robert, Mitchell, Adam, Elliot, Colleen, Andy, Joshua, and Rick. And a big thank you to Kevin, Jesse, Timothy, Kara, Susanna, Francisco, Tim, Chris, Patrick, Lawrence, Emily, Andrew, Joseph, Jackson, Kevin, Sam, Robbie, CW, Ryan, Dustin, Kathy, and Kit. And Stephen, Allison, Anuj, Ash, Connie, Jay, Josh, Jeremy, Ryan, Adam, Patrick, David, Joe, 
John, Stephen, Marie, Jay, Jason, Tracy, Dave, Stephanie, Jonathan, Matthew, Matt, Rodney, Amy, Craig, Steve. And thank you to Brandon, Marissa, Neil, Michelle, Olivia, Kevin, Sean, Brandon, Brittany, Richie, Ian, Aiden, Christian, Dakota, Buzzdroid, Mark, Max, Sean, Jim, Jessica, Thomas, Thomas, Suki, Nick, Rachel, Miss Art, and Bobby. And thanks to Pav, Patrick, Jonathan, Julia, Demi, Eaton, Lenka, Skytalkers, Andrew, JJ, Brian, Stephen, Andy, Ross, Lady Vader, Caleb, Jay, Stevens, Mike, Sharon, Josiah, Christy, Thalion, and Jake. And thank you to Ilona, Dale, Tom, Sagarius, Crum, Angel, Hammy, Candace, Matthew, Jen, Jesse, Christina, Jake, Amber, Sinatra, Michael, Paul, Carrie, Jordan, and Mike. And thanks to Rob, Jonathan, Khadija, John, Katie, Benjamin, Amy, Drac, Amy, Jeff, John, Eric, and Todd. Woo! Thank you all so much. The support you give to the show allows us to do what we're doing and... All those members of the Blast Points Army on Patreon, they're getting our weekly Clone Wars review episodes. Just last weekend, we had a review episode for Deal No Deal, which sadly has no space Regis Philbin. <laughs> uh, but seriously, thank you all so, so, so much. Thank you. 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 Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. These last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. iTunes reviews, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, if you listen on something Apple and you go there after you're done listening to this episode, write a little something nice about Blast Points. We'll read it on an upcoming episode, and it helps the show in that Sith magic cloning Snoke in a jar kind of way. (laughs) And we love reading those reviews. We really do. And check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, you better be on the Blast Points Chill Group. 24-hour party. 24-hour party. People talking Star Wars. People talking dreams come true. Tom Spina's on there issuing challenges, trying to figure out when the Bantha Skull was first introduced. Posting pictures of Chewbacca dummies. Nonstop good times. The place to be. It's the place to one be. You can take care, sir. (laughs) Well, that about wraps up episode number 212 here. Saga year, month three. We'll be back next week with more fun, more good times, more great oldies. Who knows? Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.
started with her, George and I had a moment looking at the early days and stuff, and he and I were like, well, this is either going to work or people are going to hate it. But there's not much in between when you give Anakin a Padawan. And you dare, you know, back then in 2005 and 8 to make it a little girl. Mm -hmm. Especially with the way that she behaved. But George always had a great mind for having a bigger picture. And we evolved the characters we went. And she grew into somebody that I think, obviously, a lot of fans have come to love and respect. And I, we at Lucasfilm really appreciate that. That's why this character persists, persists because you guys show such tremendous support for her. And I think we all feel like we earned that because... She wasn't universally liked in the beginning, as I warned you. But it might be possible to see her again. She might have something to do. Maybe. Maybe.